Welcome to Chicago Tabernacle, a place of becoming. Wherever you find yourself, we pray that you would be encouraged today by God's Word. Please join us now as we hear a message from Pastor Toledo. So I want to speak to you today from this great theme that comes, that is all over the scriptures, titled, Better Together. Everyone say, we're better together. We are better together. This is part of the heart of God, and it's part of the kingdom of God. So I want you to get ready online at Cicero. We're going to be looking at Mark chapter 2. And you're going to notice there's this incredible blessing that comes when we get together, when we serve each other. Now to set this up, I want to begin by just defining together. It could actually be seen as a double blessing. Okay, being together is a double blessing. And here's what it means. It means to be unified, merged, or integrated. It means to be freed of difficulties because of added support. Some things are difficult when we do it alone, but we get freed from difficulty when we get the added support. When someone comes along and serves your life or when you serve another person's life, everyone just gets better. Now, how does this, what does this really look like in the New Testament context? We're going to read uh, Mark chapter 2. I love this story. I think this is one of the coolest stories in the Bible of God's people working together. Mark chapter 2. Let's look at it beginning with verse 1. A few days later, when Jesus again entered Capernaum, the people heard that he had come home. They gathered in such large numbers that there was no room left, not even outside the door, and he preached the word to them. Some men came, bringing to him a paralyzed man, carried by four of them, since they could not get to him, uh, since they could not get him to Jesus because of the crowd. They made an opening in the roof above Jesus by digging through it and then lowered the mat the man was lying on. These guys were not, they were not taking no for an answer. They said, I refuse. I refuse to have this brother that I love not have a meeting with Jesus. Okay, I don't care if I have to break someone's roof open. That's what I'm going to do. And when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralyzed man, Son, your sins are forgiven. Now some of the teachers of the law were sitting there thinking to themselves, Why does this fellow talk like that? He's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? Now let me pause here for a second. Today's message is not about this. But let me say this, okay? That cynicism is always present But faith, real faith, pushes past cynicism. Amen? Real faith will always push past the cynicism. Don't allow cynicism to stop your faith. Because that's always present. Now let's keep going. It says, immediately Jesus knew in his spirit... 
that this was what they were thinking in their hearts. And he said to them, why are you thinking these things? Which is easier, to say to this paralyzed man, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up, take your mat, and walk? But I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So he said to the man, I tell you, get up, take your mat, and go home. And he got up, took his mat, and walked out in full view of all of them. This amazed everyone, and they praised God, saying, we have never seen anything like this. Wouldn't it be powerful If this year you kept bringing people to the feet of Jesus and and Jesus would so powerfully touch them and transform their lives that everyone in Chicago is amazed and say, I've never seen anything like this. How many would say amen? So I just want to pray right now that God would really speak to us. And um, look. There are all sorts of things that are happening right now in our country. Things are reopening. We honored the process that we needed to go through. We were separated because of COVID. We were, uh, um, we, we've gone through all sorts of things. But it's time for us to reconnect and to serve others into greatness. It's time for us to take our place in the kingdom of God. Every child of God has a role to play in the kingdom of God. So let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, I ask that you would bless this word. I ask that every person who hears would receive deeply. Because, Lord, this is for all of your children. This is your will. We are all one body. We play different roles, but every part of the body has a role to play. So bless this word, bless our time together, encourage, strengthen, motivate your people, O God, to be just like you. Your word says that the Son of Man, the King of glory, did not come to the earth to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. Make us like you, Jesus. In in your name we pray. Amen and amen. Praise the Lord. You know, last week, I, I had a, a very cool experience. I was invited to a, a pastor's roundtable with John Maxwell. If you don't know who John Maxwell is, he has written over 80 books on leadership. And um, he has a unique ministry because he does um, a lot of what he does is in the corporate world. And after he does what he does, then he shares the gospel. And lots and lots and lots of people have gotten saved through this unique uh, type of evangelism. And so John Maxwell was with us, and um, he even prayed over, over me, he prayed over all of us. It was a small room, about 40 ministers from around the country. And um, one of the things he kept saying was, Focus, he was emphasizing, always add value to people's lives. Always add value. And here's what he said. He said, when you consistently add value to people, you become invaluable. I, haven't, I can't stop thinking about this. Among other things that he said, he really added value to my life. 
Okay, you want to really glorify God? You want a full life? You want a rich life? Add value to other people's lives. How do you do that? You have to become a servant. The greatest among you will be the servant of all. One of my favorite historical characters is Winston Churchill. He led um, England through um, World War II. I've had the privilege of being, of, of actually visiting the, the, the museum there in London, and uh, I've read biographies. And you know, it's an interesting thing because um, Churchill grew up in a very dysfunctional home. They were pretty wealthy, but very dysfunctional. Churchill's mother was a, an immoral woman. She was like crazy. In addition to that, she was pretty negligent. And then his father was super heavy-handed. His father was not nice to him, and everything that he did, he criticized him and made him feel bad. And Winston Churchill was a, a, um, the poster child for someone who would grow up to be a pretty broken man, not the great leader that he grew to be. Well, as it turns out, he had a nanny. One of the best things that his parents did is they, get him, they got him a nanny. Her name was Mrs. Everest. And this nanny was so loving and so kind. He was so close to her that what she did is she added what was otherwise missing. She added what was otherwise missing. The kingdom of God is meant to add what's otherwise missing. The house of God, the family of God, is supposed to add to this world, to this community, to your community, wherever you live, wherever you work. That's our role. We are supposed to be here so that the love of God, the hands of God, the power of God flows through us and we provide what is otherwise missing. In other words, some, there is some kid who's coming to this church right now and whose mom and dad are just out to lunch. But you know what? They, that kid comes here, and when he comes here, a man of God hugs him. A woman of God hugs him. They say, you're special. They say, God has a great plan for your life. They help him. They talk to him. They do. what, And, and they, they get an anointed grace from God to deposit what's otherwise missing. And he rises above. And he becomes a great man of God, a great dad, a great father, a great all of the things. You know what he does? He becomes. How many want to see some young men and young women become in this place? That's what we're supposed to do. That's what the house of God is supposed to do. We're supposed to provide what's otherwise missing. And here's what that means. It means that the people of God have to choose the kingdom option. There is an option that we get to choose, the option to actually serve. The greatest among you will be the servant of all. See, that's what Natalie did. You know what Natalie did? She listened. Natalie is so, Natalie graduated from University of Chicago. This is a bright, gifted woman. But you know what she said? She said, I am going to choose. I'm going to take advantage of this kingdom 
option and I'm going to serve. And because she was a kingdom, she chose that kingdom option. Guess what? She's like a nanny to a lot of kids. But she's a kingdom nanny. She's an anointed, powerful woman of God making a powerful difference in someone's life. And we'll just never know. Last week, I was, um, not last week, two weeks ago, I was preaching at Cicero, and I bumped into uh, one of the brothers in the church. His name is Andre. In fact, he's here today. He's behind the wall here serving. So Andre is from Belarus. He came here a a number of years ago, and um, he's another sharp guy was working for IBM. And we made a call for people to serve with KWA, and he showed up, and he helped to hang sheetrock. What is a guy who works for IBM? What's he doing hanging sheetrock? You know what he's doing? He's serving. And he met some of his, he met some guys that night. He became their roommate. He would go on to meet his future wife while he was serving. Her name is Natalie. And Natalie is the best. Okay, I haven't had a lot of conversations with Natalie, but Natalie's the best because Natalie would be in the first row, and you know Natalie's there because she worships her heart out. I mean, she just loves the Lord, and guess what? God blessed him with Natalie, and and he's serving in the kingdom of God. And by the way, every time you use um, the CT app, guess who made that CT app? Andre made that app. Okay, now here's the interesting thing about this. You see, no one knows the names of the guys who carried the paralyzed man. And if we didn't put Natalie in front of you, if, we didn't, if I didn't mention Andre's name, you know what they would be? They would be nameless believers just like these four guys. Okay? So the apostles, we know the apostles' names, but these weren't apostles. These were nameless believers because what this was is this was not apostolic work, but it was powerful kingdom work. And just because the people uh, at large don't know your name, just because you're a nameless believer, guess what? Heaven knows your name. You may not be famous here, but you are famous there. Somebody say amen. God sees God knows, hallelujah, what you think, you think that the person who goes behind the scenes won't receive their reward, I'm telling you right now, they will hear, well done, my good and faithful servant. This is so powerful, we are better together through our collective faith and our collective serving. And here's what happens, it releases Two very powerful things. When we serve together, it releases two powerful things. So first of all, collective faith makes Jesus available. Collective faith makes Jesus available. Now, this is a unique statement. And when I make this statement, I'm not saying that the other is is not true. In other words, when you reach out as an individual to God with faith, it's powerful. But God promises 
to put a special blessing when we reach out to him together. Collective faith, what it does is it helps people to get through the obstacles that are present in life. The truth of the matter is, is that this man in this story, which we'll meet one day in heaven, he couldn't get to Jesus. He was unable to get to Jesus. And you know what he needed? He needed collective faith to bring him to Jesus. Guess what? Every once in a while, we all will find ourselves in a space where we can't get to Jesus. Life is so difficult. Life is so hard. Sometimes we get discouraged. Sometimes we fail God. Sometimes we feel unworthy. Sometimes we feel like we just want to give up. I can tell you uh, 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 um, how many of, of, of men and women of God, friends of mine, especially early on in my walk with God, they prayed me through so that I wouldn't quit. Anybody ever feel like quitting? No, not you. You guys are so powerful in God. You guys are amazing. But you know what? The truth of the matter is that in this life, we have many troubles. And when you're in trouble, it's so powerful to have four people around you say, we will carry you. And it was faith that brought that man to Jesus. It was faith. It was faith that pushed past the obstacles. It was faith in their hearts that said, I don't care what is going on. He can't walk. He's paralyzed. I don't understand all the reasons. But my faith says if I get him to Jesus, he will walk. He will rise. He will stand for the glory of God. Faith releases. Faith releases, it brings people into the presence of Jesus. And how many know, if you just get people to the presence, to the feet of Jesus, all things are possible. And so, this is all over the Bible. What I want to do is just read a couple of verses to you. And I want you to apply, put yourself in the verse. Okay? When you read the Bible, okay... When you read the Bible, you don't say, wow, that's a good thought. Or you, no, you put yourself in the verse. You put your heart in the verse. You put your life in the verse. You say, God, I want to be this. This is me. Okay, so look at what the Bible says. The Bible says, and he's speaking to collective faith. The Bible says how good and pleasant it is when God's people live together in unity. And then there's a few other things, and it says, for there the Lord bestows his blessing. When we're united together under the, the canopy of the love of God and the goodness of God, under, under the, the, the authority of the church of Jesus Christ, God releases a blessing. Here's another one. Uh, in uh, Ecclesiastes, it says, two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. We get more done when we work together. Somebody say amen. amen. Hallelujah. Here's one more. I could read about 20 of them. We had to just cut. We had to chop, chop, chop. But here's a powerful one. For we're two or three gather my name. There I am with them. 
Hallelujah. How many know Jesus is right here with us? Jesus said, you get together in my name, I'll bless it. You unite your faith in my name and I'll do miracles. I'll do exceedingly and abundantly beyond anything you could ask or think. We're going to be reopening a, a prayer meeting to live. We need to pack the church out. Hallelujah. A house, my house shall be called a house of prayer for all nations. We have to pack the church out. We have to pack the church out. We need collective faith pressing in, pressing in for Chicago, pressing in for America, pressing in for the needs of our families and of our children. We believe in the power of God flowing. He said, my house shall be called the house of prayer for all nations. I want to encourage you. I want to encourage you. Don't miss the prayer meeting. Because you might miss when the spirit falls. I heard a great man of God say that. And I've never forgotten it. That's why we say the prayer meeting is the most important meeting of the week. They could send a, uh, I've got one more point. Send me a keyboard player. But I, I need to just say this about the prayer meeting. Okay? We've always said the prayer meeting is the most important meeting of the week. We've always said that here at Chicago Tabernacle because I firmly believe that, that I can preach, we can sing, we can do a lot of stuff, but if we don't pray, okay, what we do is so thin and so light. It's not by might, it's not by power, it's by my spirit, says the Lord. I prepared this message. I prayed. I, 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 I studied. But we need a supernatural visitation of the power of God. You might be a businessman here today. You might be a, 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 a mother of, of four. You might be overwhelmed with challenges. You, you might have, everyone here, you, you bring such a unique uh, set of circumstances in your life. But I'm telling you right now, if you will connect your faith to the body of Christ, and if you will fight for other people in the prayer room, God will fight for you. God will fight for you. How many believe that when we work for him, he works for us? Somebody say amen. My house shall be called the house of prayer for all nations. And it's God's will. Listen to what Dietrich Bonhoeffer said. He said, Christian, a Christian fellowship lives and exists by the intercession of its members for one another or else it collapses. You know why churches are weak? Churches are weak because Christians don't pray for one another. When was the last time you prayed for somebody? Okay? We need to pray for somebody else every day. This is, this is Christianity 101. Okay? You want your life full? 
you want to feel joy, you want to feel the blessing of the Lord upon your life, start praying for people. Is your faith holding someone up today? Can I speak to you even if you're in another part of the country? Can I challenge you today? Is your faith holding a rope for someone else today? This is a big deal. Think about how challenging our days are. How do we overcome? Our faith helps us to overcome. It's faith. And collective faith is so powerful. So first of all, first of all, we need to know that our collective faith, it literally, it makes Jesus available for those who are weak and are struggling. And we've all been there. That's what intercessory prayer is all about. That's why we can pray for, for angry people. We can pray for our enemies. Because, you know, when someone's so full of anger, so full of this or so full of that, they can't get to Jesus. But how many know we'll still carry them to Jesus? How many want to carry more people to Jesus in this year than ever in our lives? Could I get a, can I get an amen for that? How do you do that? You pray, collective faith. Okay, then secondly, collective labor, everybody say labor, makes everyone stronger. Collective labor makes everyone stronger. So it took collective labor, work, to get a crippled man, a paralyzed man to Jesus so that he could be made stronger. So that strength by the power of the Holy Spirit could fill his body. Okay, it took labor. There was more than prayer involved. So I just finished preaching on prayer and now I'm saying it takes more than prayer. It's just flat out labor, flat out serving. You see, you know how much we emphasize prayer. But the truth of the matter is, is there comes a point after you've prayed that you have to become the hands and the feet that are part of the answer to that prayer. We pray and then we step out and serve. We pray and, and we give. We, we have to pick up the rope. So, uh, hey, Sue, could you pass me the... So listen... This is, uh, I believe the rope was longer than this, okay? But this is, you can, t you can touch this. This is not spiritual, all right? And if you carried someone around with this rope, chances are if you didn't have gloves on, you could get calluses. Chances are your hands, you know, could get tired, and um, there's a good tired. When was the last time you had that good tired because you were serving someone else into greatness? It takes collective labor. Yes, we pray, but then we work. And let me say this. Extraordinary blessing requires extraordinary stewardship. 
So we're praying for great things, for big things, for powerful things from God. Well, we not only pray for these great things. Give us a new building. We want to expand. We want to reach more people. Give us a bigger community center. We want to touch more kids. Well, guess what? When that happens, there have to be stewards there. More people. One of the things that's happened across the country... Um, but even in our church is right now we are down probably 50% of our servants which is shocking because our church and I all the glory to Jesus and I praise God for your heart our church surpasses national averages when it comes to people serving we've always had like more servants than the average church in our country. But right now we're down 50%. And now we got two places. You know? How many know angels don't clean toilets? You know? They don't, they don't pick up. They don't come in and spray this room with whatever that stuff is. You know? They don't meet people at the parking lot. You see, people do that. This is a big deal. So everyone has different stewardships. Find your stewardship. Find your call. Find your place in the kingdom of God and serve. Am I, say this, am I saying this because we're short on workers? Absolutely not. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about you fulfilling the call of God upon your life. I'm talking about you being healthy. You can't be privately healthy if you only live for yourself. That's for the world. That's not for us. So this is a big, very, very important deal here. Everyone has a place and a role to play. You know, during the Vietnam War, there was a fighter pilot named Charles Plum. He had completed 75 combat missions, and then he was shot down. Plum was ejected and parachuted right into enemy hands, where he spent six years in a Vietnamese prison. And then one day, long after the war, a man came up to him and said, You're Plum. You flew jet fighters in Vietnam from the aircraft carrier Kitty Hawk. You were shot down, right? And Plum was like confused and asked how the man knew about that. And guess what he said? He said, I packed your parachute. And the man shook his hand and said, I guess it worked. <laughs> Plum assured him that it had and said, if your chute hadn't worked, I wouldn't be here today. Plum thought a lot about the man who held the fate of someone he did not even know in his hands. He kept pondering how many times he might have seen the guy and not even said anything because he was a fighter pilot and the stranger was just a sailor. Whose parachute are you packing today? We got to pack at least one or two parachutes a week, shouldn't we? Come on, somebody say amen. 
You see, today, one of our brothers in the parking lot may have met someone and, and reached out. You know, ever since we started this church, we always prayed, Christy and I always prayed. We never wanted it to be about us. We always prayed, Lord, the minute they hit our grounds, let them feel your love. We don't want people leaving talking about Chicago Tabernacle, talking about pastors, talking about people. We want them leaving saying, I had a meeting with Jesus. How many would say amen? And so someone can be touched in the parking lot. There's a, there could be one of our brothers or a sister serving in the parking lot. She doesn't even know. But she was part of being a person's parachute. There was a God moment that said, I feel love in this place. And I need that love. There are little children. Seeds are being sown into their hearts. Their teachers right now, they are providing a parachute for some children. Friday night, Thursday night, right in this room, kids seeking God. There was a powerful move of God. You know God is moving in our youth ministry. Praise God for Pastor James and all of the team. Hallelujah. How many know teenagers can be a little bit of work? <laughs> right? If you're a teenager, don't take that personally. One day you won't be and then you'll understand. Okay? We've all been there. Somebody needs to be holding the rope for one of our teenagers. Somebody needs to be carrying them and being available by phone or visiting them after school and taking them to eat. All of us have different roles to play. You know, I love this passage of Scripture. I'll close with this. I love this passage of Scripture because um, I preached on this text it was the second time I ever preached this was the passage of scripture that I preached on and actually I was in Rhode Island in Bible school I wasn't in full time ministry yet but one of the things I did is I would go to a, a little house church in Providence Rhode Island on Saturdays and they had a like a Saturday kids program and so I went and I remember they asked me to preach and this is the text that I felt from God, and I remember studying. I still remember studying for that. And then um, I was talking to, you know, from probably four years old to maybe eight years old, more or less. And so I got this idea. I made, I don't know if I used straws or little sticks, but I made a little bit, a little mat, and... Um, I got four ropes, and then I put a doll on it. And so right about this point, we're not going to do that today, but right about this point, I had the kids come up. I had four kids, 
right? And I said, okay, so here's what we're going to do. Okay, remember, you got to put yourself in the text. So I said, here's what we're going to do. Okay, the four of them were here, and they had the little doll on the mat. Each one had a rope on one side. And then I said, now Jesus is over here. So you got to carry him from over there to over here. So I want you to picture a bunch of little kids doing that right now. And so some were bigger, some were smaller, some were more capable than others. And they were trying to carry this little doll, and the doll kept falling. And um, so he was not only paralyzed, but then he had a concussion. (laughs) I mean, this doll got jacked up. It was hysterical. But they kept trying, and as they kept trying, you know, things I was saying, I was like, see, it takes teamwork to help people get to Jesus. Okay, it takes teamwork. It takes, it takes focus and concentration. Sometimes you've got to learn. You've got to learn how to serve people, but it's worth it. You've got to learn. What does it take to really carry someone to Jesus? Well, you've got to learn it. And if you never start trying, you never learn how to get people to Jesus. And so they would go again, and, the, and they would fall. And I was like, uh-oh, now Jesus is going to have to heal another thing. But sure enough, one, one last thing. I remember we were going and I said, okay, you guys got them to Jesus. And when we got them to Jesus, all the kids started to cheer and it was awesome, right? Wouldn't you cheer? Don't you cheer every time you hear someone gets to Jesus and their life has changed, amen? But here's how I closed the message. I said... What if, because think about it, think about climbing up a roof, think about pulling this heavy guy up the roof, making sure he doesn't fall or hurt himself. Think about digging dirty hands. Somebody needed to do some laundry that night. Okay, dirty hands, digging in, then, then late, getting him down in front of Jesus. You know, I was like, man, they could have dropped him on Jesus if they didn't do it right. He could have like fallen off of that mat, you know. Think about all the things that could have. These are real life situations. But I asked the kids, what if there was one guy missing? What if there was one guy missing? And the other kids said, well, I have to pick it. I said, no, no, we're not talking about that. We're talking about the fact that everyone should be holding a rope in the kingdom of God. Everyone. Right now, if you're online and you're like, man, I can't do it, you can. Do it in the spirit. Pray like you've never prayed before. Labor like you've never labored before. If you can give, give. Sow more seed. But everyone needs to be holding a rope in the kingdom of God. You know, we have this mindset nowadays that says, um, uh, well, I choose a church for what it does for me. That's the baby stage of being a Christian. The grow-up stage is, I want to be like my Savior. I want to serve someone else into greatness. So could we pray right now 
could we say, Jesus said this. This is why we're going to pray. Jesus said, look, the harvest is ripe, but the workers are few. Pray to the Lord of the harvest to send out workers. I want us to pray right now and ask the Lord to motivate the body of Christ and the kingdom of God to serve, to literally take action today and say, I may not be good at it, but I'm going to find something to do. I'm going to take hold of a rope and I'm going to carry somebody. Come on, lift your hands. This is the moment that as we pray for everyone else, we're also praying for ourselves and we're surrendering. So Father, here at Kilpatrick, at Cicero, Lord, God, I pray in the name of Jesus, Lord, that as you, Lord, hover over the body of Christ, as you hover over homes, oh God, and office spaces, as you hover over this place and, and Cicero, Lord, and churches all over Chicago land and all over this nation, God, would you put, oh Lord, your heart into our hearts. Make us servants. Make us like you, Lord. God, I pray for a whole new level of collective faith. God, I pray, God, that we would become the powerful army we were always meant to be. I pray, Lord, in the midst of this challenging season of life that the church would rise more powerful, stronger than ever before, my God. Restore your house to being a house of prayer for all nations. Bring us back. Bring us, oh God, together. Make us powerful, Lord Jesus, in the spirit realm. And then make us powerful, Lord in the earthly realm as we all pick up our rope and serve someone else. I pray, Lord, for the whispers of the Holy Spirit. Let the Holy Spirit whisper into hearts who might be shy, who might be hesitant. Lord, fearful, God, whisper into hearts and speak to them and show them what they should do in the kingdom of God. Bless your people. Bless this day. God, may the powerful teaching, it's more blessed to give than to receive. May that be realized in every heart and life. In the mighty name of Jesus and all God's people said amen and amen. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah.